Hi, thanks for joining The Breakdown, where we discuss complex topics with a focus on evidence, reason, and the importance of considering new ideas with an open mind. I'm James Sayer. On this episode, we're going to talk about the art and science of persuasion, what it is and how you do it. It's a skill that is useful for really anyone, regardless of your station in life, and in this time of deep political polarization across the United States, where political forces and people seem to be so heavily entrenched against one another, it is time to review this essential human skill to help us all better communicate and work together in a positive and productive manner to not only get things done, but to do so in a respectful and ethical way. So, let's get to it. So what is persuasion? Well, simply put, it's how we convince others to give us what we want, or do what we want them to do. Now, whether you're trying to convince your boss you deserve a big raise, convince your spouse to do more chores, get a friend to help you move, convince a jury of a defendant's guilt or innocence, or to get the political policies you support accepted by others, the skills of persuasion are central to how you can get people to come around to your way of thinking. Now, it should be said at the outset that some people, if they are not open to considering your argument fully and fairly, are virtually impossible to persuade. If a person has decided they will not accept certain evidence from you, no matter how well established, there is very little you can actually do to change their minds. You cannot get someone to change their mind if they are truly determined not to change it, not without manipulation or coercion. More on that later. But if a person is open to considering your argument in a fair and honest way, there is indeed opportunity for you to influence or change their perspective if you use the right approach. Now, there are three ways to go about getting someone to do what you want. Coercion, persuasion, and manipulation. Coercion is where you use force or the threat of force or punishment to get people to comply with your wishes. This approach can work and is most appropriate when you have the official authority and ability to administer punishment to others. But it can also generate resentment in other people who do not like being forced to do something, which is most of us where a more persuasive approach may not engender such resentment. Ideally, you persuade people to do what they're supposed to do and only use coercion as a last resort. Now with persuasion, this approach seeks to convince others in a positive, honest, and ethical approach that relies on evidence, credibility, establishing common interests, and making your case with maximum emotional impact, and generally, generally results in a Mutually beneficial outcome. Now, manipulation, which is really persuasion's evil twin, is, is, it's really persuasion performed deceptively and generally at the expense of the one being manipulated. And we'll talk more about this in a bit. Now, there are four basic approaches to persuading people. One, show clear and compelling evidence. Two, establish your credibility. Three, establish common interests. And four, make sure your message has a strong emotional impact. So, for showing a clear and compelling evidence, you want to do that. You want to show this to those you wish to persuade. The better your evidence, the stronger the argument. It is much more difficult to dismiss an argument that is supported by strong, credible evidence that is presented in a clear and straightforward manner and is relevant and meaningful to your target audience. Credible evidence... <clears throat> is verifiable and confirmed by numerous sources who have track records for overall integrity and reliability of their information and analysis. Knowing your audience 
and understanding their background, their concerns and fears is crucial to knowing how to best convey your evidence to them, both honestly and effectively. To present intentionally inaccurate or misleading information as credible evidence, however, is no longer persuasion, but becomes manipulation when you use deception. Now, establishing your credibility with your target audience. See, people are much more likely to take you and your points seriously and trust your arguments if you are seen as a credible source. You can establish your credibility with others through your credentials, that is, your position of authority, expertise, or your experience in a certain field, as well as your track record with others for being reliable and honest. Persuasion relies on legitimate credibility, while inflating or misrepresenting your background or credentials is a form of unethical manipulation that will just blow up in your face when you are eventually found out. So, be honest about how you represent yourself. You can fool people some of the time, but it will eventually come back to haunt you. It's not worth it. Now, the third one, establishing common interests between you and the people you're trying to convince. You see, people are more generally trusting of those more similar to them. So, showing that you have shared interests helps establish these sort of common bonds from which you can build not only a rapport, but a a deeper sense of trust. But you must do your homework in understanding what your audience's interests actually are. And you must be honest and sincere in highlighting your similar interests. If you fake or manufacture a common interest with someone to make a connection, this becomes manipulation, which besides being generally unethical, can backfire if you are found out and irreparably harm your credibility with the people you're trying to convince. And remember, be nice and respectful and don't be afraid to pay sincere compliments. You should be this way to everyone, not just those you're trying to persuade. But consistent research shows that people who establish common interests and like each other achieve much better outcomes than those who do not. Make sure you are non-threatening to those you're trying to convince. You see, our brains are hardwired from over millions of years of evolution to either fight, freeze, or flee threats. So even if you are engaged in a serious disagreement with someone, stay calm, be respectful and kind. Do not return insults. People will just shut you right out as soon as you become hostile. How many many people, honestly, do you really think you can convince by being unpleasant or insulting? Something for all of us who are engaged in political debates to keep in mind at all times. So, number four, making sure your message has a strong emotional impact on your target audience. You see, emotional messages are generally the most memorable and effective at getting people to change their minds. Emotional messages reach down deep into people's psyches to stir their fears and passions beyond the reach of reason. Now, this is a very effective way to motivate people to action through emotional appeal. What needs to be done here is to convey to people the emotional toll they will pay or the, the pain they will feel if they fail to take your suggested course of action or the joy and pleasure that they will experience if they do. For example, one way to convince your friend he should give his marriage another shot before considering a divorce would be to say, getting a divorce can be very costly, both financially and emotionally. But a more effective and emotionally impactful way would be to say, if you get a divorce, it will financially and emotionally devastate you and your family. The second one has a stronger emotional impact because it's more descriptive, direct, certain, and comes with a sense of great importance and urgency. And 
while giving extra juice, it is still honest. Divorce won't just be costly, it will be devastating, not only to you, but to your entire family. Because emotional messages are so powerful, they can be easily used to mislead and manipulate someone to agree to something they would not have had they been given accurate information and a sincere emotional appeal instead. So don't oversell it and don't try to make it more emotionally impactful than it should be based on real evidence. Because that is manipulation and like before, you can fool people some of the time, but you will eventually be found out. Plus, an overhyped message is not only in essence dishonest, it looks ridiculous as well. Now, using these four approaches to persuasion can serve to reinforce each other and they're even more persuasive if they're used actually in concert with one another. Strong evidence and credibility go hand in hand. Establishing common interests can boost your credibility and makes it easier to deliver both a clear, honest, and emotionally powerful message. So try to use all four of these different approaches together, provide, providing compelling and accurate evidence, highlighting your legitimate credibility, establishing your sincere common interests with those you engage, and delivering a powerful but honest emotional appeal. Also, keep in mind that some approaches work better on certain types of people than others. Data-oriented people, they're not emotionless, but they tend to be more impressed with high-quality data. This will often be more compelling to them than a strong emotional appeal. Nurturing and more emotionally oriented people will likely be most impacted by an emotional message. Your credentials will be most compelling to those most impressed by authority and hierarchical status or rank. And those whose interests are truly closest to yours will be the easiest to reach by highlighting your common interests with them. Now, we have talked about how to persuade and about when you stray into deception, persuasion actually becomes manipulation. But understanding these principles will also help you to avoid being manipulated by suspect arguments and unscrupulous people. So, what are the tells of someone who's trying to pull a fast one on you? Well, here are some. If someone is trying a little too hard to make that connection with you or to be your friend or keeps trying to establish areas of common interest with you, they may be trying to work you. Make sure they're being sincere. If not, to hell with them. Nobody likes a phony. If someone insists you present your case, first, all the time, this could be an attempt to manipulate you. This can be both a strong debating and sales technique. By having you speak first all the time, they can gauge your arguments and behavior and look for weaknesses in your logic before you have had time to evaluate theirs. So don't let them set you up by having you speak first all the time. A more fair approach, hearkening back to early childhood lessons, is take turns going first. If someone always wants to have discussions on their turf, home, office, or other places where they're, they are familiar and you are not, they may be trying to manipulate you with the home field advantage where they're more comfortable and they feel more dominant. So don't fall for that and insist on neutral meeting places or ones of your choosing about half of the time. Now, there's another one. Death by bureaucracy. What that means is some people may use bureaucratic procedures and red tape as an excuse to delay or prevent 
dissemination of important facts which may harm their case. So be skeptical when a company or agency bureaucrat keeps coming up with reasons or excuses they cannot provide you with the relevant, timely information you need to make a decision. They may be trying to hide something. Also, there's undue social pressure. Now, there's nothing wrong with trying to use a little social pressure to get people to comply with a reasonable and important request that has clear social benefits to others, such as using peer pressure or social pressure to get people to wear masks to prevent spreading COVID-19 or to get someone to stop saying racist jokes. But using undue or excessive social pressure to get you to concede a valid position of yours for a position of dubious social or community benefit can be a form of manipulation, which you should be ready to identify and resist. Also, watch out for commitments. Beware of people who try to get you to make a lot of commitments before you have gathered all the information about the endeavor they wish you to support. People generally want to honor their commitments, even if their original preference was not to do so. So if someone is trying to secure an early commitment from you on something right out of the gate, watch out. They may be setting you up to get an even bigger commitment later, which you will be more likely to make once you've made the first. The eternal victim, who always wants something from you, loves to use this one to their advantage. And definitely, be careful about what you write or or sign. Signed documents can be legally binding to a course of action you may not really want to take. And research, extensive research, shows Once you sign something, the likelihood of you keeping that agreement is much higher than if you simply agreed verbally. So be careful about the commitments you make and what you sign. Also, over-the-top emotional appeal. This includes raising someone, someone raising their voice and using negative emotions. These people try to use emotion and intimidation to overcome reasonable concerns and objections. Watch out for that. Also, there's misuse of data. This involves either... <clears throat> inaccurate or distorted data or attempts to overwhelm you and, and, and confuse you with, with data overload. You see this a lot with people who use a lot of big words and talk really loud and fast, and they're not necessarily afraid to throw inaccurate claims around quickly to overwhelm your brain's ability to detect their deceptive approach. So watch out for these hucksters. Negative degrading humor or unfair criticism at your expense. Watch out for this. Some people just try to shut you up and get you to go along by making you feel bad. So don't let the you-know-whats get you down. There's also feigned ignorance. This can be a defensive stalling or concealment tactic by manipulators who may have something to hide or their own obligation they do not wish to honor. If they should know better, make sure they don't get away with playing dumb. Now watch out for guilt trips and the silent treatment. These are pretty self-explanatory. I don't think I need to explain these. Abusing the reciprocity principle. You see, people in general have a sense of fairness and they usually feel obligated to reciprocate. If someone is always doing some kind of elicited, unsolicited favors for you, they likely want you to do something of similar value for them in return. Make sure you're not playing into a trap where they abuse your natural sense of fairness and reciprocity. There's also the misuse of the scarcity tactic. Now, the scarcity tactic is basically where something becomes more valuable when it's in limited supply. People generally want something more if it is in limited supply. 
and sometimes people and companies will deceive you about a limited supply of an item to boost your desire for and your willingness to pay a higher price for it. So watch out for bogus claims that some item is extremely limited. First verify that they're telling the truth, because they may not be. Make sure that people's credentials are legitimate, and make sure that they have more, more backing them up than just simply their credentials. Sadly, there are well-credentialed people in the world that are dishonest and unscrupulous. So make sure that they have a strong data-supported argument to go along with their credentials. Now, we've dragged manipulation thoroughly through the mud on this episode, and for the most part, rightly so. But, like coercion, sometimes manipulation can not only be justified, but necessary. Think interrogating a murder suspect, spying in the interest of our national security, protecting against espionage, or catching a dishonest or unfaithful lover in a lie. Occasionally, some manipulation, deception, or undue influence is indeed called for, but this is really a rarity. The vast majority of the time, persuasion is the right way to try and convince someone, and those who generally engage in manipulation they don't normally do so for noble reasons like national security or catching a killer. They do it for their own personal gain at your expense. So don't feel bad about disappointing a manipulator and not going along with their scams. They don't really care about you because if they did, they would be straight with you and tell you the truth, not try to play you. Now just think, if, if we were all much better persuaders than we currently are now, how much better could our country or world be if, if we were all more skillful in the art and science of persuasion? Our arguments would be better, stronger, more, more accurate, more powerful, and, and more convincing. Our social discourse, even our, our political climate, would be more kind and compassionate. Our understanding and respect of each other and each other's positions, deeper and more complete. And we would all probably be a lot less gullible. Sounds like a better world to me. Now, this research and analysis draws heavily from the work of Dr. Robert Cialdini, one of the foremost experts in the world, in, in the world on persuasion, the Duke University Fuqua School of Business, the work of Dr. Pascal von Gotham, and Dr. Preston Nee. Well, that does it for this episode of The Breakdown. I hope we have offered some useful ideas about persuasion that you can apply at work and in your daily lives. For our next episode... We're going to discuss the early lessons from COVID-19. There's a lot of them. I look forward to us talking about them. And until next time, I say thanks for joining us. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.